Hey guys, welcome back to Couple Goals with us and I'm. Hello everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. What's up, Maggie? What's up? How you feeling? I'm okay. Yeah, feeling better? Yeah. Sick for a couple days, but I'm better now. It's good. Yep. I mean, you ask. <laughs> so that's the update. <laughs> another high energy opening. As from usual. The Couple Goals gang. We are, we're known for our high energy intros. Yes. Always like, hey, party people, here's a podcast. Do you have a news story? No. <laughs> I don't either. I was just asking. You want to you talk about how crap Saturday Night Live is? We can. Oh. And I'm always, I'm always thinking to myself, is it just because I'm old? Is that why I don't like it? I mean, the hosts are older than us in some cases. Yeah. So, the references are really old is one thing I've noticed. Like, like the references are from the 90s. And yeah. In some cases, the 80s. They're referencing O.J. Simpson and Forrest Gump and Home Alone a lot. Yeah. And so that's weird. So I'm like, OK, so clearly the writers or somebody or maybe those are just still cultural touchstones for people that are younger than me. Are Is is Forrest Gump still a cultural I, touch, touchstone? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> It came out I've like, never shown that movie to our children. It came out like 93, right? 93, 94. Uh, somewhere around there, I believe. Like, come on. But it's just... Uh, and there's still some funny bits and funny sketches. And you have better hosts than others. The musical guess is where I know it's just me being out of touch. Because yeah, I'm like, Kid, Kid Baby? Or whatever the fuck that guy's name was? Dub Baby. Dub Baby. I think his name was Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by his necklace. That's my lie. Uh... Uh, he wore a muscle shirt under his sweater. Oh, did you ever look that up? No. To find out. The, 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 nobody call him out on that? Uh, he, <laughs> wore a, he wore a muscle shirt under his Not, And you don't mean a muscle shirt. You mean like a, a stuffed muscle costume. Yeah, he wore a stuffed muscle costume under his sweater. Yeah, he had like sweater. maybe an incredible like one of those Hulk padded, costume. Yeah. Like one of those padded muscles. Like I've worn for... Costumes? When I, like when I did Skeletor, when, when I did the Splatterhouse House. Yeah. Yeah, he wore that like under his uh, under his red sweater. Yeah, at the end of the show. Maybe it was a joke. Saturday Night Live. That's why I wanted you to look it up and see if anybody had questioned him about it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do that. Oh. But yeah, let, let us know more, what you think of more topical podcast research. <laughs> Saturday Night Live, though, man, it's just, I still watch it every week. It's not the worst. You know, sometimes. The, I think the Trump stuff, and you know I hate Trump and everything, but the the Trump stuff isn't as funny as actual Trump. Right. Well, it's hard to beat it. Yeah, the, the actual and Trump where like, he's saying women are having babies at nine months. And uh, and he's like, people are flushing toilets 15 times. Yeah, you're not going to top that. You can't write shit because that's so unbelievable that a person that is oh. president of the United States would say that in, in all seriousness. Yeah, you're just not going to talk or he, he. Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm not going to go on about him. But so anyway, yeah, just give up on that, though. Just give up on the Trump stuff. And then like the shit that like normally weekend updates pretty solid, but they're they're like special people, their guests or whatever right. are always terrible. Right. They they're don't have an never opera funny. man no. <laughs> taking a way back. Show they my don't age. have or David Spade Hollywood Minute. And they don't have uh, Stefan like they don't yeah. have anybody. That's funny. That's really funny. Their characters suck. <sighs> Sad. That's a bummer. They still have some sketches here and there that, that make me laugh. So I don't want to shit all over it. And that it's Macy's 
sketch was funny that was this pretty past solid. week. Yeah. If you're watching it, this in real time. That and that device to help men pee from bed or whatever. That was pretty yeah. funny. And he was like, women pee from their clitoris? <laughs> like, yeah. That's, There's some good that's bits funny. here and there, but for the most part, it's, it's man, it's fucking lame. It's like, what got rejected? See, the, okay, so here's the thing. Like, if you go to see Saturday Live get filmed, right? Yeah. There's two ways. If you, you have to line up, like, oh, like 24 hours in advance to get tickets to Saturday Night Live. Wow. And then Saturday Night Live, you have two options. You can sign up to see the actual recording. Yeah. Or you can do the the dress rehearsal. Yeah. The dress rehearsal is longer and it has stuff that ends up getting cut. Right. Can you imagine how not funny the dress <laughs> rehearsal is? Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whoo, what's getting cut? If this is what made it. Right. All the musical numbers that are just not funny. Dude, all having every host go into a musical number at the beginning is it's never funny. And then they have m multiple songs throughout the show. And I don't mean the 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 singer like the performer uh, the, the musical guest. I mean, they'll like do Scarlett a sketch. Johansson trying to sing and you could see how uncomfortable she was doing it. She just looked miserable. And she's not like terrible at singing or anything, but she's just that's clearly not something she enjoys doing. Yeah. And you could tell from her face. It's like, come on. Uh, but yeah. So that's that. Yeah. And by the way, that toy, that bathroom one was actually from JLo, which was two weeks ago. We just watched both of this tonight. Yeah, what bathroom one? The, the helping men pee. Oh, okay. well, yeah, I was just coming on the recent Saturday Night Live period, not just this week's, but every, I mean, there's been episodes I couldn't even finish watching. Oh, yeah. Because they're not, there's, I'm turned just sitting there staring at the TV waiting to laugh. And it's like, man, this is, this is making me cringe and I'm not even there. Yeah. I mean, could you, like, we, we've been to that studio, but not while they were filming. Yeah. It's so intimate. That I right. can't imagine being there while watching these people just bomb. You always be, laughing. Everybody's happy to be there. That's I think what it largely is. Is yeah. you're just so excited. It's a different to be energy there. when you're at the show too. It's kind of like when, like we've seen Bill Burr a bunch of times, and that one time he was really off. Well, I mean, he but was we still laughed. Out. I didn't think he was off. He just we saw Dimitri Martin when he wasn't funny. Yeah, but that's what you still. I don't know. It's still funnier when you're there. Like I and still like you Dimitri see the Martin special, a lot. When you see the special, something that you that I laughed at really hard live might not hit as hard when I'm it sitting on my couch. Hit as hard yeah. when you're watching it at home. Yeah. But like the Dimitri Martin special, the or the show that we saw live, not funny. Wasn't very good. It was not a little funny, disappointing. But I, but I still really like him. Oh, I love Dimitri like, Martin. Yeah. It didn't make me dislike him. But yeah. So uh, I guess we could, that was fun. <laughs> Saturday Night Live's no good. Again, though, everybody says that every year. So I'm like, am I just that guy? No, because I liked it last year. Did you? Mm hmm. I liked like I miss Leslie Jones and I didn't think I would. Yeah. Because she was always playing just an angry black woman. Like they really typecast her as just an I, angry black woman. I did really like her. But I really liked her. I liked her as the person who who said uh, you remember the Weezer sketch with Matt Damon? That yeah. was really funny because she was the only recent we or only old Weezer's good. Only Pickerton in the Blue Owl. It was just funny to see her passionately defend. Yeah. Weezer. Like, I, I do miss her and I didn't know I would. You know who needs <laughs> like, to go? Fucking, fucking Keenan Thompson. Yeah. 
Jesus Christ, that dude's not funny. Him and AD Bryant, they're they're just not funny, or they don't have funny Keenan stuff written for them. He's gotta hang hang it up, dude. He's never been funny. Yeah. Ever. He still has that that Nickelodeon timing. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's the eyebrows up staring at you timing. Yeah. Like, is this funny? This is the laugh indicator. This is me letting you know I told a joke. Yeah. Like, oh, dude is not, not funny. Like, go back to Good Burger, dude. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, did you want me to go first? Do you have news? Do you have housekeeping? You can do housekeeping. I don't have any housekeeping. Hit up our Patreon. Hit up our socials. Give us some feedback. There. Housekeeping. We have a website. You can find links there. Facebook, all that stuff. Yeah. It's almost the holidays. Yeah. Housekeeping's rough at this time of the year. It's hard to do stuff. So, being that it's almost the holidays, my yeah. topic is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> is this because we watched it and you were getting upset? <laughs> you were all, Maggie's getting upset. They're Rudolph's terrible parents. Well, way to take my thunder on oh. everything I was going to talk about. <laughs> That's the whole thing. <laughs> you can't reduce your topic to one sentence. Well, Can it's, you? it's a page. That's not good. All right, let's hear it. So Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a 20th century reindeer. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. That was the first line on Wikipedia. <laughs> so I thought it was funny, so I copied it. It's a 20th century reindeer. He's a 20th century reindeer. He's, he's the updated model. The one in the so he was created by Robert Louis May. And he's usually depicted as the 19th and youngest of Santa Claus's reindeer. There's there's 19 reindeers? There's 19 fucking reindeer. I thought there were nine. That's what I meant to say. Oh, whoa. Okay. I was like, holy shit. I don't know half of those. Reindeer <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, can't, I can't read. Um, anyway. So he uses his luminous red nose to lead the reindeer. <laughs> like you're telling us the features of <laughs> Rudolph. Me, in case I'm you're... talking about Rudolph. <laughs> Pay attention, guys. You're about to learn something. Listen, <laughs> my topic is Rudolph. Somebody phoned it in. All right. Pitch. <laughs> I phoned it in. We're talking about Rudolph. Let's hear it. Okay, wait to hear about this reindeer. So he uses his <laughs> luminous red nose. To lead the reindeer team. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And guide Santa sleigh. This is, uh, wow, this is a last minute. Okay, so This is anyway. why you turn in your essay. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's like a sentence's worth of information spread across like nine <laughs> paragraphs. <laughs> anyway, he first appeared in the 1939 booklet written by Robert May, but it was published by Montgomery Ward. Did you know that? I did not know that. I did not know that either. So, then it was made into a 1948 film, which I've never seen. Oh. Did you know that? Like a live action film? I, I don't know. There weren't pictures. <laughs> Tell us more about this Rudolph and his luminous... Well, then after the film, it was turned into a song by Johnny Marks, which Gene so Autry... It was a story, it was a book, then it was a movie, then it was a song. Yeah. Okay. Bitch, there's info here I'm that you did not know. I'm following along. I'm telling you new things. Tell me more about this luminous nose 20th century reindeer. <laughs> the 20th century reindeer, like everybody always is looking for. So Gene Autry recorded it, and it hit number one on the U.S. charts. What year was this? The uh, week of Christmas in 1949. 
But what I really want to talk about today is the 1964 stop motion animation TV special, which first aired on December 6th, 1964. It was on NBC in the United States, and it was sponsored by General Electric under the umbrella title of the General Electric Fantasy Hour. So, since 1972, the special has aired on CBS, and uh, the network unveiled a high-definition remastered version of the program in 2005. That part's for you. Well, we own the the digital version, though. Thank God. Well, yeah. So, CBS now shares the rights with Freeform, which is Disney. Yeah. Which acquired the rights to air the special as part of its annual 25 Days of Christmas programming beginning in 2019. Okay. So, all right. That's that's what goes into that. So now we're going to talk about the problematic plot of Rudolph. Let's do it. Right. It's problematic. Oh, yeah. That's a buzzword. I forgot. It's problematic. <laughs> Tell us why it's problematic. So the show opens on Sam the Snowman. Yeah. And he welcomes the viewers to Christmas Town at the North Pole, right? Right. He introduces Santa and Mrs. Claus. They live in this castle located to the you know left of Christmas Tree <laughs> Forest. Later on, Sam recalls that Christmas was almost canceled due to a big snowstorm, and how this very special reindeer saved the day. Now you might recognize Sam if you've ever seen Elf. Whole area inspired. Or the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. TV special. We're assuming they haven't seen it. Why are we assuming that? This is something that has aired every year since before any of our listeners were born, most likely. You say we don't have any boomer listeners? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Anyway. So moving on. You know, Donner, right? As in Dasher and Prancer. Yeah, he's more of a 19th century guy. So Donner's wife. Because reindeers get married in this universe. Of course. Because you can't have unwed reindeer <laughs> no. popping out. No. <laughs> popping out babies. You have to have so officiated nuptials. Donner's wife pops out this new baby fur- fawn, right? His name is Rudolph. <laughs> what? And they're all surprised to see that he has been born with a glowing red nose. Yeah. Yeah. When Santa arrives... The more concerning thing is the placement of the nose. Everybody else has kind of a dog placement, you know? It's kind of inset into their Not his. His is a full-on light bulb. Yeah, his looks like a gumball sitting on his nose. Yeah. That would have concerned me more than the color. Also upsetting, it looks like a tumor. (laughs) Yeah. So when Santa arrives, he fucking tells Donner that Rudolph is not going (laughs) to be on the sleigh team. This is a newborn baby fawn. He tells him he's not going to be on the sleigh team because of his fucking nose. Like, so keep Donner, your deformed son away from the slave And this team. is a newborn baby fawn. Can't walk. Yeah. It's like fucking laying there. So Donner fucking hides it by covering it up with mud. This is a newborn. So that way Rudolph will fit in with the other deer or reindeer or whatever the fuck they are. Right. Right. All right. So we fast forward like a year and Rudolph goes out to the reindeer games. <laughs> Not featuring Ben Affleck. I can't believe somebody's doing a breakdown <laughs> of a Rankin-Bass Christmas special. Anyway, moving on. So all the new fawns are going to be inspected by Santa, even though Santa's already fucking nixed him and started <laughs> shit-talking him at birth, but it's fine. So Santa's coming to, you know, take a look at these, these fucking reindeer. So during flight practice, Rudolph meets Clarice, 
Clarice. Who is this cute little doe. And she tells him that she thinks he's cute and it makes Rudolph fly because he gets all like hot and bothered. Yeah. So while celebrating with the other bucks, his fake notes, you know, that his dad makes him wear because he's an abusive fuck. He uh, (laughs) it pops off. Yeah. Causing the other reindeer to mock him. And the coach, you know, Coach Comet. Yeah. Everybody's least favorite character. Yeah. To expel him from the reindeer games. That is pretty harsh. That's really harsh when you look at it under a certain light. That is super harsh. And it would be literally illegal in America under the Americans with Disability Act. <laughs> so are you campaigning against a special? Do you not want it air? I'm anymore? beginning to I, like this last become viewing. One of those people. This last viewing, I was like, oh, fuck, no. <laughs> <laughs> so so Clarice tries to comfort Rudolph, but her father sees him. And tells her to stay away from him, you know, because of his fucking nose. Because of his deformity, yeah. Because he's so grotesque with right. his red nose. <laughs> right. So Rudolph wanders off. He meets Hermie and Elf who ran away from Santa's workshop, you know, because he wanted to be a dentist. How dare he have aspirations? <laughs> and uh, they run off together. They have this great adventure, which I'm not going to get into. It ends with Rudolph saving everybody because he's the fucking best. And it's good to be different. <laughs> Right. Well, maybe that's the whole point of the special, though. So Just anyway, don't be mean to people because they're different. So Christmas Eve comes because they can serve a purpose. I'm still talking. <laughs> I'm no, I'm just I'm. Christmas Eve comes. And while everybody's celebrating, Santa reluctantly announces that Christmas Eve is going to be canceled. Yeah. I'm going to be fucking canceled because he's terrible at his job. Santa's just the fucking worst. He berates little babies and he's bad at his job. And he doesn't plan for bad weather. And he's never had bad strange. weather in all of the time that he's been Santa Claus. Yeah. It's the first time it snowed on Christmas. That's right. Terrible at his fucking job. But soon he sees Rudolph's red nose and he's like, oh, will you lead the sleds? Because I'm bad at my job and your deformity turns out to be the best thing ever. <laughs> Rudolph's like, OK. And then they fly off to Misfit toy island or whatever and they and they fucking give away all these amazing toys because everybody likes toys and that's the how the movie ends right yeah so what do we learn here right let's get into it we've learned here that parents and authority figures try to squelch that which make you different yes and that you can be great in spite of them not because of them now, there are chances that you might have a good parent, but I don't know anything about that. So I'm going to go with the in spite of. Right. This special hit me in a totally different way this last year. I, I remember. I was so pissed <laughs> at Rudolph's parents and Santa for being fucking assholes. And just dancing all over Rudolph. Right. Being like, oh, hide that shit. We're so ashamed of you, you garbage human or garbage 19th century reindeer. (laughs) 20th century reindeer. 20th century reindeer. Sorry, that was Donner, who's the 19th century reindeer. And all because his nose is red. Right. That's bullshit. (laughs) I understand. I understand what you're trying. Well, what if you turn it off before you get to the end? All you've learned is that your parents are ashamed of you and it's fine. It's fine. You should probably just run away. I feel like you don't need a special to learn that. I mean, if you grew up the way you and I did, yeah. that, that's just Parents par are for just the course. To you. And yeah, it's fine. that's just how it is. It's so angry. This special <laughs> made me so angry this year. It's like, no, 
How is well, it makes the, sense from when you consider the era it was made in, in the sixties when you couldn't be different. Right. That's why all the marriages ended in divorce because everybody was just getting married to get married. And a lot of people were getting married when that wasn't even their sexuality. Yeah. To get married. Right. Because it was the, you had to, you had to keep, keep up with the social norms, basically. I fucking hate that special now. And it's a shame because I really like the special. But now it's like, come on. It's, now, I'm, I'm going to look at it more as, as a, like a film critic. It's just too fucking long. It's over an hour long. That's unnecessary. That's what I have to say about it. It's like, and I really, I really like like Yukon Cornelius and the Bumble and like all of that. Like, I yeah. really like the movie. But all of that shit with his parents. It's fucked up. It is fucked up. Like, you asshole parents. And the mom is just allowing of it. She's just permissive. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't encourage it. No, but she doesn't stop Donner. She no. doesn't stand up to him. She doesn't want to get her ass beat by her drunken husband. <laughs> yeah, with his big ass antlers. Right. Which makes no sense because reindeer, the way reindeer actually work, male reindeer lose their antlers in the winter. Oh. Females keep their antlers. So in reality, Santa's sleigh <laughs> would actually be carried by females. That's if you're going bullshit. by the visual, yeah. Yeah. So come on. Well, but you're not accounting for flying reindeer who keep the males keep their antlers. Right. The and the winter. ones with the glowing noses. <laughs> right. Which are just totally different. They have a totally different antler growth pattern. Exactly. Than everyone else. No, that, that reminds me of when I was a kid and it hit me about Willy Wonka and how the show was about a child murderer. And you disagree with me about I, it. I still disagree with you. So you can't I can't read into Willy Wonka as like a nine year old. But you can read into Rudolph. There is no reading into Rudolph. Santa's literally There's like. No reading into Willy Wonka. Santa walks in. T- that was a kid taking it at face value. I wasn't a smart kid. Santa walks in. I was just watching in. a show and I was just, I just saw all the things they put on screen. And when, the things Willy Wonka says, the fact that these kids are dead and never seen again. It doesn't take a fucking genius. It doesn't take a detective to realize Santa he murders walks these in children. And it's like, fuck your baby. Right. <laughs> like, Fuck your D4. <laughs> yeah, that's Santa. And Donner's like, throw some mud on that shit. I can't. I, I'm ashamed. Like, what have you given me, woman? Like to his wife. And it's like, oh. and then like Rudolph's sad ass voice when he's like, it's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm Rudolph. Like, can't even breathe properly anymore. Yeah. It's like, come on. And it's Donner's like, yeah, it's good. However, the the noise his nose makes. Oh, Ooh, boy. Right. I'd like, be sending him for some sort of corrective plastic surgery. I'd be like, we have to put mud on it, not because of how it looks, but because of that sound. So, right. <laughs> like that sound. Like, why'd they have to add that effect in? Oh, that is a terrible. But yeah, that's my topic this week. All right. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer through a different lens. 20th century reindeer. 20th century reindeer. From uh, the North Pole. His right. parents just didn't believe in him, and he was good in spite of them. He saved the fucking town. He saved his parents' lives, which really, I would have been like, you know what, Donner? <laughs> <laughs> like, you stay here, bitch. Uh, like, yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I would have saved him. All right. So, moving on to my topic. My topic is based partially on my Spotify wrapped that I get every year that everybody who gets Spotify gets every year. It tells I, you what you've it. listened yeah. to all year long. 
and I noticed two artists have shown up in my raft for the past three years in my top five, and I never acknowledge either one of them as one of my favorite artists. But I kind of have to because they've literally I listen to them more than any other artist because they show up every year. Yeah, there's only two that have shown up the past three years and I never it's not Pantera. It's not anything to do with Phil Anselmo. What are you looking at? You look at my crotch. Look at the fact that your flies over. <laughs> you like that? He likes that. Anyway. <laughs> Pajama pants. Anyway. Uh, so one of these artists is Black Dahlia Murder, who is apparently one of my favorite bands. Didn't realize it. I own no merchandise. I don't think I even have any other albums, but I listen to them all the time. I'm scratching my head. I can't scratch my head. Well, I looked <laughs> you at are your, testy woman. I looked at your crotch and I got called out. <laughs> like I can't just scratch the top of my head. The other band, the band I'm actually going to talk about today. Ramones. Apparently, I'm a huge Ramones fan. Didn't realize it, but I listen to them a lot. Like. Every year, every year, I'm just jamming Ramones. Fucking hate Santa Claus. <laughs> Can you focus on the topic of hand, so, please? I'm so mad. Uh, the Ramones have a Christmas song. Well, I do like their Christmas song. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight. Yeah, I like that song. All right, so I thought, hey, I like I like Ramones. I will cover Ramones, and I will call them the Ramones. Even though they never use the on their albums, from what I can tell. They're just Ramones, not the Ramones. Kind of like Deftones. Just Deftones, not the Deftones. But I can't help but add the because it sounds plural, right? And uh, 20th Century Reindeers. <laughs> anyway. All right, so the Ramones formed in the New York City neighborhood of Queens in 1974. They are often cited as the first true punk rock group. Despite achieving only limited commercial success initially, the band was highly influential in the United States and the United Kingdom. The original members of the band met in and around the middle-class neighborhood of Forest Hills in the New York City borough of Queens. John Cummings and Thomas Erdelli, I don't know how to say his last name, had both been in a high school garage band from 1965 to 1967 known as the Tangerine Puppets. They became friends with Douglas Colvin, who had recently moved to the area from Germany. And Jeffrey Hyman, who was the singer for the glam rock band Sniper, founded in 1972. The Ramones began taking shape in early 1974 when Cummings and Coleman invited Hyman to join them in a band. I just can't get over the name Hyman. (laughs) Uh, Coleman wanted to play guitar and sing. Uh, Cummings would also play guitar and Hyman would play drums. The lineup was to be completed with their friend Richie Stern on bass. However, after only a few rehearsals, it became clear that Richie Stern could not play bass <laughs> in addition to singing. <laughs> it's like you can't do both. You're yeah. not good at multitasking. So Colvin switched from guitar to bass. Cummings became the only guitarist. Colvin was the first to adopt the name Ramon, calling himself D.D. Ramon. He was inspired by Paul, Paul McCartney's use of the pseudonym Paul Ramon during his Silver Beatles days. Dee Dee convinced the other members to take on the name and came up with the idea of calling the band the Ramones. Hyman and Cummings became Joey and Johnny Ramone, respectively. So you got Joey, Johnny, and Dee Dee at the beginning. Johnny's former bandmate, uh, Erdelgi, the guy's name I can't pronounce, was set to become their manager. Soon after the band was formed, Dee Dee realized that he could not sing and play his, his bass guitar simultaneously. So with Erdelgi's encouragement, Joey became the band's new lead singer. Uh, Dee Dee would continue, however, to count off each song 
each song's tempo with his signature rapid fire shout of one, two, three, four. Uh, Joey soon similarly realized that he could not sing and play drums simultaneously and left the position <laughs> of drummer. <laughs> so, so a lot of musical chairs happening in the Ramones here. Um, so while auditioning prospective replacements, Erdelli would often take to the drum and, dem and demonstrate how to play the songs. It became apparent that he was able to perform the group's music better than anyone else. And he joined the band as Tommy Ramone. All right. That explains why I didn't recognize his name. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, his name is Ghirardelli Chocolates. <laughs> All right. The Ramones played before an audience for the first time on March 30th of 1974 at Performance Studios. The songs they pl played were very fast and very short, most clocking in at under two minutes. Which, you know, at the time was this is the 70s. It's a lot of progressive like rock, minutes. Pink Floyd, and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Zeppelin. Um, around this time, a new music scene was emerging in New York centered on two clubs in downtown Manhattan. Max's Kansas City, and more famously, CBGB, usually referred to as CBGBs. Uh, the Ramones made their CBGB debut on August 16th of 1974. CBGB. Uh, a fellow named Legs McNeil, who co-founded co-founded punk magazine the following year later described the impact of that performance saying they were all wearing these black leather jackets and they counted off this song and it was just this wall of noise they looked so striking these guys were not hippies this was something completely new CBGB. the band swiftly became regulars at the club playing there 74 times by the end of the year after garnering considerable attention for their performances which averaged about 17 minutes from beginning to end Wow. <laughs> the group Could you was... imagine if you, like, were running late? <laughs> you just missed their whole fucking thing. Fuck! <laughs> you just miss it all. <laughs> uh, the group was signed to a recording contract in late 1975 by Seymour Stein of Sire Records. Sire A&R man Craig Leon saw the band and brought them to the attention of the label. Stein's wife, Linda Stein, saw the band play at Mother's. She would later co-manage them along with Danny Fields. By this time, the Ramones were recognized as leaders of the new scene that was increasingly being referred to as punk. The group's unusual frontman had a lot to do with their impact. As D.D. once explained, all the other singers in New York were copying, copying David Johansson of the New York Dolls. Buster Poindexter, later we can, you know, the guy from Scrooge. The guy from Scrooge, yeah, I know. And he was copying Mick Jagger. But Joey was unique, totally unique. The Ramones recorded their debut album, Ramones. In case you were wondering, <laughs> that's the name of their debut album in February of 1976. Uh, of the 14 songs on the album, the longest one called I Don't Want to Go Down to the Basement barely surpassed two and a half minutes. While the songwriting credits were shared by the entire band, Dee Dee was the primary writer. Uh, the Ramones album was produced by Cyrus Craig Leon with Tommy as associate producer on an extremely low budget of about $6,400 and released in April. Um, I lost my place because that's uh, I think I copied the wrong thing in. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <He's> like... <laughs> All right, the now iconic uh, front cover photograph of the band was taken by Roberta Bailey, a photographer for for Punk magazine. Punk, which was largely largely responsible for codifying the term for the scene emerging around CBGB. It was what? It was largely for a lot. Wait, what? What'd you say? Responsible for codifying the term. Cot. Codifying, C-O-D, codifying. You can look it up. I'm gonna. <laughs> uh, they ran a cover story on the Ramones in its third issue the same month as the record's release. Uh, the debut LP was greeted by rock critics, critics with glowing reviews. 
However, it was not a commercial success, reaching only 111 on the Billboard album, album chart. Arrange into systematic code. <laughs> I just took this from Wikipedia, man. Um, there are two singles issued from the album. Blitzkrieg Bop, you may have heard it. And I Want to Be Your Boyfriend. Both of these used in Spider-Man movies recently. Yeah, I know both of those songs. Uh, there's an audience. <laughs> I'm telling the audience. Well, you when I tried to explain to the audience about Rudolph, I got shit all over. <laughs> no, you didn't. At no point was I like, yeah, I know, Maggie. <laughs> you were like 19th or 20th century reindeer. Like, what the fuck? That's a stupid term. No. <laughs> That's a very stupid term. I was term. letting you know he's a modern reindeer. He's not one of those old-fashioned reindeer. <laughs> the modern reindeer would be 21st century. But anyway, I want to get into that. Your outdated reindeer. That is true. <laughs> it would <laughs> it's be. Not... Well, it's 1964. I mean, what do you want? Anyway. Actually, um, no. He came to be in the 30s. All right. Then in 1977, they released two albums, uh, Leave Home and Rocket to Russia. Uh, tired, uh, tired of touring, Tommy left the band in early 1978. However, he continued as their producer under his birth name of Erdelyi. Ghirardelli Chocolates. Ghirardelli Chocolates. His position as drummer was filled by Mark Bell, who had been a member of the early 1970s hard rock band Dust, Wayne County, and, uh, wait, Wayne County and the Backstreet Boys. I thought I was like, wait, what? I thought somebody was fucking Wikipedia. <laughs> like, uh, Wayne County and the Backstreet Boys and the pioneering punk rock group Richard Hell and the Voidods. Voidoids, sorry. Uh, Bell became Marky Ramon. Later that year, the band released their fourth studio album and their first one with Marky, Road to Ruin, which was like probably one of that one and their first album were probably my favorites. Uh, the album was co-produced by Tommy with Ed Stasium. It included some new sounds such as acoustic guitar, several ballads, and the band's first two recorded songs, longer than three minutes. Oh, However, damn. it failed so to long. it failed to reach the Billboard Top 100. However, however, I want to be sedated was a single on that album, which everybody Jesus knows. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. How did that fail? To... They've had so many songs that are now almost staples, that at least like in this classics. household. Yeah. Well, I mean, in our house, yeah. Um, uh, the band was seen in Roger Corman's movie Rock and Roll High School, which they wrote a song for, called Rock and Roll High School. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, producer Phil Spector became interested in the Ramones and produced their 1980 album End of the Century. There is a long disputed rumor that during the recording sessions in Los Angeles, Spectre held Johnny at gunpoint, forcing him to re repeatedly play a riff. That's all the information I have on that. That sounds fun. Uh, though it was to be the highest charting album in the band's history, reaching number 44 in the United States and 14 in Great Britain, Johnny made clear that he favored the band's more aggressive punk material, stating, End of the century was just watered down Ramones, is not the real Ramones. Uh, their sixth album, Pleasant Dreams, released in 1981. Uh, continued the trend established by End of the Century, taking the band further from the raw punk sound of its early records. Then came Subterranean Juggle, Jungle, produced by Richie Cordell. I don't know. Subterranean Juggle sounds fun. <laughs> Subterranean Jungle. <laughs> came out in 1983. After the release, release of that album, Marky was fired from the band due to his alcoholism. He was replaced by... You can't be an alcoholic in a band. Where can you be an alcoholic? <laughs> right. Like... <laughs> Nowhere. It's like that Mitch Hedberg joke, though. I'm like, alcoholism, alcoholism is a disease, but it's the only disease you can get yelled at for having. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, gone too soon. 
All right. Uh, he was replaced by Richard Reinhardt, who adopted the name Richie Ramone. Joey Ramone remarked that Richie saved the band as far as I'm concerned. He's the greatest thing to happen to the Ramones. He put the spirit back in the band. He's also the only Ramones drummer to sing lead vocals on any Ramones songs. Um, the first album they recorded with Richie was Too Tough to Die in 1984. However, he left in 1987, upset that after being in the band for five years, the other members would still not give him a share of the merchandising money. He was not a real Ramone in their eyes, apparently. Clearly. Uh, December 1988. The Ramones recorded material for their 11th studio album, Brain Drain. Um, however, the bass parts were done by Daniel Ray and Andy Chernoff. D.D. Ramone would only record the additional vocals on the album, citing that members of the band, including himself, were going through personal troubles and changes to the point where he didn't want to be in the band anymore. After the band finished their Halfway to Sanity tour in February of 1989, D.D. became sober and left the band. There's a twist. He got sober and then left. Uh, he was replaced by Christopher Joseph Ward, who, be, who was known as C.J. Ramone. He, he performed with the band until they broke up. 1995, the Ramones released Adios Amigos, their 14th studio album, and announced that they would be disbanding in 1996. You could tell by the name. <laughs> <laughs> its sales were unremarkable, garnering it just two weeks on the lower end of the Billboard chart. The band spent late 1995 on what was promoted as a farewell, farewell tour. However, they did accept an offer to appear on the sixth Lollapalooza Festival, which toured uh, during the summer of 19 or the following summer. After the tour's conclusion, the Ramones played their final show on August 6, 1996 at the Palace in Hollywood. On July 20th, 1999, three years later, Dee Dee, Johnny, Joey, Tommy, Marky and CJ appeared together at the Virgin Megastore in New York City for an autograph signing. This was the last occasion on which the original four members of the group appeared together. Joey, who had been diagnosed with lymphoma in 1995, died of the illness on April 15, 2001, in New York. Joey and Marky, who had been involved in a feud, buried the hatchet and made up on, on live radio on the Howard Stern Show in 1999. On March 18, 2002, the Ramones were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which specifically named Dee Dee, Johnny, Joey, Tommy, and Marky. At the ceremony, the surviving inductees spoke on behalf of the band. Johnny spoke first, thanking the band's fans. Tommy spoke next, saying how honored the band felt, but how much it would have meant for Joey. Dee Dee congratulated and thanked himself, <laughs> while Marky <laughs> Mar <laughs> thanked Tommy for influencing his drum style. Thank then you so much, self. <laughs> Great job, self. I'm the greatest. <laughs> I was in the fucking Ramones. I was the main songwriter. That was so good. Um, Love's the best. It was uh, in a joking manner, I'm sure. Uh, Green Day played uh, Teenage Lobotomy, Rockaway Beach, and Blitzkrieg Bop as a tribute, demonstrating the Ramones' continuing influence on later rock musicians. Uh, the ceremony was one of Dee Dee's last public appearances as he was found dead on June 5th, 2002 from a heroin overdose. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> uh, and then I just want to talk a little bit about what is probably that was my 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Look what you did. <laughs> I can't believe what you did. I don't know if you remember what I did for my 21st birthday, but I do. Mm -hmm. 21st birthday. No, I don't remember. I I had a newborn. Yeah. So I went to Applebee's and ordered. I went to Applebee's. So <laughs> we were was, very poor. I we just were want to point super out. fucking poor. Like, like how we live now. <laughs> 
was not even in the realm of possibility when, we were, when <laughs> right. I was 21. Like, we were so fucking poor. I went to Applebee's. I had one drink, and it was an Oreo mudslide, and I came home. <laughs> I don't even remember my 21st birthday, but I didn't do shit. I was, no, I was in Memphis, but I, I didn't live there. We were living in an apartment. I was, I went down with Steve for Thanksgiving, and then... Uh, we didn't do anything for my birthday. <laughs> like I was, because I didn't want to be like, "Hey, it's my birthday. Let's go do stuff." <laughs> so I think we just stayed at Rob's apartment and played video games. Like, yeah, very exciting twenty first for me as well. <laughs> like we were so fucking poor at that time. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about a the, their uh, logo, which I think is pretty popular, and you see on Ramon's t shirts. Yeah. Um. Uh. So this information I gathered from from the Wikipedia says, uh. Their art and visual imagery complemented the themes of their music. Uh, the members, they adopted a uniform look of long hair, leather jackets, T-shirts, torn jeans, and sneakers, like all black, basically. Uh, this it, They emphasized minimalism, which was a big influence on the whole New York punk scene of the 70s, and also reflected their short and simple songs. Tommy recalled that musically and visually, we were influenced by comic books, movies, Andy Warhol and avant-garde films. I was a big Mad Magazine fan myself. Uh, the band's logo, based on the seal of the President of the United States, uh, was created by New York City artist Arturo Vega with the Ramones. He was a longtime friend, and he had allowed Joey and DD to move into his loft at one point. He produced the band's T-shirts, which was their main source of income, and that's how it is for most bands today, too, is merchandising is, is where they make most of their money. Uh... Basing most of the images on a black and white self-portrait photograph he had taken of his American Bald Eagle belt buckle, which appeared on the back sleeve of the Ramones' first album. He was first inspired to create the band's logo after a trip to Washington, D.C. He says, quote, I saw them as the ultimate all-American band. To me, they reflected the American character in general, an almost childish, innocent aggression. I thought the great seal of the President of the United States would be perfect for the Ramones with the eagle holding arrows, to symbolize strength and the aggression that would be used against whomever dares to attack us and an olive branch offered to those who want to be friendly. But we decided to change it a little bit. Instead of the olive branch, we had an apple tree branch since the Ramones were American as apple pie. And since Johnny was such a baseball fanatic, we had the eagle hold a baseball bat instead of the arrows. <laughs> uh, the scroll in the eagle's beak originally read, look out below, but this was soon changed to, hey ho, let's go, after the opening lyrics of Blitzkrieg Bop. Uh, the arrowheads on the shield came from a design on a polyester shirt Vega had bought. Ramones was spelled out in black and block capitals above the logo using plastic stick-on letters. Uh, where the presidential emblem read seal of the President of the United States, clockwise in the order around the eagle, Vega placed the pseudonyms of the band's members, Johnny, Joey, Dee Dee, and Tommy. Over the years, the names in the border would change as the band's lineup fluctuated. Uh, Marky Ramone said, it's the American presidential seal. Anyone can use it. Uh, we share the royalties on the T-shirt and on the merchandise. A lot of the kids wearing that shirt might not even have heard of the Ramones music. I guess if you have the shirt, uh, your curiosity might bring you to buy the music. Whatever, it is a strange phenomenon. That's Who's the wearing a Ramones shirt without ever hearing Ramones music. Oh, have you not been on the internet? And uh, I fucking I hate that shit. I've I've seen articles where a Kardashian has a Slayer shirt on, and you know that they're not. And you're like, bitch, I've yeah. been to a Slayer concert. So what was funny about that is Gary Holt, he's not an original member of Slayer, but he was in their final lineup. If he used to have, he started wearing a shirt that said, kill the Kardashians because oh. of, yeah. That's which not makes, nice. 
Kardashians are terrible people. Yeah, but don't. they're a lot. They represent a lot of what's wrong with this country. Yeah, don't wear shirt like that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. That's mean. No, I think it's worse to be a Kardashian no. than to wear a shirt that says "Kill the Kardashians." No, those are horrible, terrible people. No, don't wear a shirt. The worst. Like that. Anyway, fucking vapid, fucking. Ugh. Anywho, hate them. We can just maybe say anywho. I hope you're happy. <laughs> so yeah. That so was yeah, nice. apparently Ramones nice one of my favorite bands, and I really didn't know too much about them. I've been listening to them since, like, I'd say like the early to mid '90s was when I when that first song I ever heard was "I Want to Be Sedated." When I think of them, yeah, I think of uh, Warriors. Hmm. They're not on that soundtrack. No, they're not. It's well, Joe Walsh. What I mean, what I'm what I mean though is I think of like that's that type that, of New York. That type of New York. Yeah. Like, that's the New York I picture when I think of them. Yeah. Like where they existed in time. Right. That's where I pictured them coming out of. I I like, could see that, that time period. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not not Coney Island, but like that <laughs> that time period. But yeah. But yeah, I remember they started playing I Want to Be Sedated on MTV, and this was all post-Nirvana. All of a sudden, they were going back, and, you know, you, I, I heard the Pixies after the fact, after, you know, the Pixies were from, like, the late 80s or whatever. Uh, they started going back and playing these artists. And the Ramones, you know, their albums didn't never seem to do well, but they did well live. You know, like, I remember yeah. when they were on Lollapalooza, when they were doing their, their final tour, everybody was excited to go see them, and, and nobody that plays punk rock... He doesn't know the Ramones. Remember when Rudolph's dad was like, put this on your nose. You're a fucking embarrassment. And he was like a minute and a half old. Imagine if your kid was born and like, say it had like a red patch on its face and you were like, where's the concealer? Like right? at a minute and a half old. I just don't take it that seriously, though, because it's a stop motion animation thing from 1964. It's like, Shut yeah. up. <laughs> I can't get upset about it. Though I, I see your point, I mean, it's, it's totally valid. Just like my Willy Wonka point is very valid. Same thing. That's your experience with Willy Wonka. Exactly. But it's also true. He's a child. My murderer. experience with with Rudolph this year was like totally different than every other year past. But it also explains why my mom is such a big Rudolph fan. <laughs> is she? She is. She has a whole Christmas tree of nothing but Rudolph decorations. And she did get us Rudolph decorations yeah. for our tree. Yeah, because she's like, she's don't be yourself. Parent. Yeah. Be somebody else. Be somebody else. Be who we expect be, you to be, not who you want to be. Exactly. Be somebody that society wants you to be. Right. Mm. What a lesson. <laughs> All right. Well, there's your there's your heartfelt holiday lesson from Maggie. Be a dentist <laughs> if that's what you want to be. <laughs> don't be a dentist. Well, if you want to be. They well, have the like dentists the do have a really rate, high man. suicide rate, so don't be a dentist if you don't want to be. Anyway, thanks for listening. We will probably be back next week. Who knows? Why wouldn't we? I don't know. Maybe we just don't feel like doing it. Is it, not, is it Christmas now? Oh, I guess it's not next week. Jesus it's Christ. It's the weekend before Christmas. I'm feeling lazy, man. It's like the end of the year. I just don't give a shit. Like, ah, maybe I'll do a podcast. Maybe I won't. I did Rudolph. <laughs> you did you did your christmas thing maybe i'll do a christmas thing next week i have other christmas maybe ideas I'll, I'll cover the uh the santa claus lanes of 1984 i have another christmas idea that's not a real thing but i have another <laughs> christmas idea it is in the movie uh silent night deadly night but yeah all right 
<laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next week. I don't know what Sean's on about. I'll be here next week with or without him. <laughs> Bye. We might just be like a couple goals with Maggie and Crowley. <laughs> and Crowley just, your arm the whole time. just be on my arm. You'll just hear him being like, oh, oh, Gross. Yeah, it is. Oh, Sam just stepped on my left ball. God damn it. All right. Shut it down. Shut it down. Bye. <laughs> Bye.